0: Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved.
1: Episode 546, air date March 25th, 2020.
0: Scope now. Let's see now. All right, everyone, this is Dr. Shiva Yadure. We're going live with uh, Deanna Lorraine, right?
1: Yes, Deanna yeah. Lorraine. I just was retweeting the Periscope to my followers.
0: All right, great. So that is, did you get, the, so there, it should be coming through. Let's see what's going on here. And we got, okay, good. View broadcast. My oh, good. Looks, we're pretty good. Okay.
1: Perfect.
0: All right, everyone. Uh, welcome. This is Dr. Shiva Yadier. I'm here with Deanna Lorraine. Deanna ran for Congress uh, against Nancy Pelosi in California. So we're going to really have a conversation talking about uh, this probably we'll probably do another one, right, Deanna? We'll do a follow-up. We're going to talk about culture, et cetera. But today, I think we really want to focus on your experience that occurred in um, California. I'll talk a little bit about my experience when we ran against a swamp here in Massachusetts. And then I think the intersection of today is really to talk about what's you know uh, there's a picture that's out there with um, the interaction of Fauci, who's really spearheading the entire covid health policy and it appears that him and pelosi actually were good friends through their uh some common interaction with um elton john but we'll talk about that but uh, do you want to just share with us nancy for everyone you know the experience you went through your background would be awesome you know particularly fighting against the swamp there yeah
1: well the communist California. Uh, we are in full lockdown mode right now here and you know there's no bars there's no restaurants uh, open, you know grocery stores everything is uh it's having either limited people in or you can only pick things up outside so it's very strict here in gavin newsom's california and of course gavin newsom is the is the nephew of nancy pelosi and uh, i just concluded my congressional run against nancy nancy of course is in the 12th Congressional District of San Francisco. Uh, we, uh, you know, I, I decided to run last year in June. So I had a, a nice run. Um, really didn't for sure commit to the campaign until about August. That's when I said, you know, I'm all in. That's when a lot of the impeachment, uh, impeach President Trump talk uh, really started getting ramped up. And I started just seeing so many attacks against him. And it was so frustrating to see, you know, our president. Uh, agenda his america first agenda not fully getting enacted because of the deep state and and the democrats who have their own very uh nefarious agenda that i'm sure we're going to get into too excuse me that uh resonated so so there's a lot of uh so many reasons why i decided to run for congress but i i ran and um nancy pelosi has just been ignoring the american people for far too long i mean she had been in congress since i was a toddler a very very long time and what's disgusting is that she's out there talking about impeaching the president you know making ridiculous demands on him uh race baiting our country dividing our country giving free health care to illegal immigrants and prioritizing illegal immigrants over american citizens that are hard working uh, she's ignoring the issues in our own district, the growing homeless crisis, the trash on the streets, the feces, the drugs, the unsanitary conditions. She's doing all of that, and yet uh, she thinks that there's more important problems uh, in America. So her priorities are just so ridiculously backwards that I just I had to fight her. You know, my blood just boils when I talk about her, when I watch her, when I see her actions. They're so. Disgraceful to Americans, and it really just feels like it's it's treason, it's betrayal. Someone needs to run against her. There was not a strong, patriotic voice running against her, so I decided to throw myself in the fire and uh, tackle the head of the snake.
0: Now, 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 when when you ran, Deanna, who can you tell us a little bit about? Maybe Nancy Pelosi. You said she her. I didn't know this. Her nephew is Gavin Newsom and oh, yeah. maybe her, can you tell us a little bit about her background which which you know be interesting to know and then some of the highlights because when you talk about the homelessness in in california but it'd be nice interesting for you to share you know what is where does nancy pelosi come from and then also sort of i know there was a swamp establishment guy that ran against you yeah um, so yeah i'll
1: try to answer all these questions well nancy pelosi uh, sh- she is the uh, the aunt of Gavin Newsom. You know they're related, and of course, there's a when you get to know the power structures in America, there are a lot of families that are high up in power that are related as well. And she's been entrenched in the swamp for the last 33 years. And uh, as as you both know, as we both know, she has more than just done nothing for Congress. She's done a lot of destruction uh, to them to America. You know, President Trump likes to call her and the Democrats do nothing Democrats, but I think it's wrong on that front. I think it's actually do destruction Democrats because that's what they're doing. It's, a, it's an intentional destruction. It, it would be nice if they were just ignoring things, but it's more than ignore, it's destroy. Um, and under Nancy Pelosi's watch, the homeless crisis in San Francisco has gotten completely out of hand. It's, uh, it's grown 17% in the last year alone. And even despite pouring $300 million into the homeless crisis, like, where is this going? The drugs, the needles on the streets. I mean, if you walk into parts of San Francisco, it does feel like a third world country. I don't know when the last time you've gone there, but it's no longer, you know, the San Francisco mm. treat. That's a romantic town. So,
0: so, so, so what's, what's a street that looks really bad? Like if you were to tell people the geography. In San Francisco, there's, there's yeah. a
1: specific district called the Tenderloin District, and the Tenderloin District en- encompasses uh, about a dozen streets. Um, so, if you're not familiar with the area, the best way to to to, sh- to tell you is if you look on a map, you see the Tenderloin District, and uh, in that district, there are people shooting up heroin on the streets. There are people defecating on themselves. There are people urinating. Uh, There's so many tents set up and homeless on the streets. And honestly, you don't even know if some people are dead or alive. There's that much suffering and pain going on. A lot of people are just numb to it. They step right over these people because the city doesn't do anything about it. Nancy Pelosi is not making any priority over it. And just as a little uh, a nugget of information that is interesting, in 2019, up until when I last counted, which was about a month ago, uh, Nancy Pelosi and her staff, and her campaign released 362 press releases. And not a single one of those press releases discussed the homeless problem, not one. They talked about President Trump impeaching. Uh, They talked about uh, things they were gonna do for illegal immigrants. A lot of it was addressing LGBTQ issues. But why, why wasn't she concerned about the homeless crisis in her own backyard? Why isn't she concerned about Americans' issues? things that Americans are struggling with and real problems. Why isn't she talking about uniting the family unit? Why isn't she talking about the opioid crisis? It always seems like her priorities are so ass-backwards, excuse my language, Uh, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating as as an American because I see these people. I talk to the homeless on the streets. You know, I I ask the people that are struggling, uh, making it paycheck to paycheck. And Nancy Pelosi, her heads up in her clouds, and she's totally out of touch. But San Francisco is just the perfect case study for what happens when uh, in, in heavily Democrat-led districts, right? If we look at Baltimore, Chicago, if we look at Los Angeles, a lot of these sanctuary cities, and San Francisco is a sanctuary city. Um, it does nothing for the Americans and the citizens. It. it Only harbors and it's only a sanctuary for criminals and illegal immigrants.
0: Now, 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 Deanna. One of the interesting things is, uh, I don't know if you know this. I think you said it at uh, California at seventeen percent increase in homelessness. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know Massachusetts in the last year was higher was the highest in the United States with eighteen percent? Wow. So um, yeah. So because (laughs) Joe Kennedy, there's a guy called Joe Kennedy. On the Democrat side for U.S. Senate, you know, he's the guy who is a silver uh, spoon guy. Everything was given to him. He's going to be running against a guy called Ed Markey, who's the incumbent. Last two years ago, ran against, um, uh, what's her name? Warren. And what's interesting is Joe Kennedy, when he was launching his campaign, he had he went to a homeless homeless center to give his speech. And, you know, he went there purely for photo ops. And when he was coming out, out of this, uh, the homeless center, I said, I said, Joe, uh, what do you have to say about the fact that Massachusetts has the highest increase in homelessness, higher than California? And we have this on video. And his response was, I don't know anything about that. So it goes to your point about um, people who claim that they want to help people. They're essentially becoming the new aristocracy. Um, so, So if you look at a person like, what is Pelosi's background? Where did she come from? What did she do before? She got into politics.
1: She she grew up in Baltimore. And, um, you know, of course, she's not even a a native Californian. Um, And she's someone that grew up in a a wealthy family and a family that really primed her for politics and, and, you know, primed her uh, to be in the political stage. And then she became, you know, Congresswoman, and now she's the Speaker of the House. And again, you know, what bothers me so much is that these are people that are really a lot of times just put in place and they're groomed from, from childhood to be in government and they're all in cahoots with each other. You know, the, the deep state is very real. The swamp is very real. It's not this, it's not this airy fairy thing. It's, it's real. And these swamp creatures are just embedded in it. And there's so much blackmail that goes on behind the scenes. Um, there's so much, uh, cronyism that happens behind the scenes nancy pelosi's you know she's she's got a net worth of i think 10 million dollars uh why you know why why when she has a salary of only uh dollars a year
0: what she, De- De- deanna wasn't there isn't she is, does she come from a construction family or no i think
1: so yeah I because, well that's again you never really know with these backgrounds but mm-hmm. uh you know, she, she also, I don't know if you know about her son, Paul Pelosi, but mm-hmm. that's another kind of similar thing with with, with Joe Biden. Biden. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of scandals going on there. They have ties to, uh, to Ukraine and ties to Burisma. And um, hmm. we're not focusing on their scandals and their finances, yet we're focusing on President Trump's and his tax returns.
0: So, so what, what, what was her career before this? Was she an attorney?
1: I think she wasn't an attorney I actually. See. Yeah. 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 I yeah, mean, it, it was it, it, obviously she's been in Congress since before I was born. So, um, you know, she had a life, uh, obviously before that too. I mean, she's, she's hmm. a, she's an old woman, but yeah. it's not, it's not a problem to be old. It's, it is an issue to be, um to be in the condition, I think the mental condition that she's in, which I think that you've seen has been going downhill pretty fast.
0: Wait, is she, is she an alcoholic? Cause every time she talks, I mean, I've never met her. It's fascinating to watch her talk and her, you know, I observe people sort of physiognomy the way she talks.
1: Yeah. Is, is, uh, is there an
0: illness uh, that she saying, has? Is that just the way she talks or is she a drunk? Well,
1: she wasn't all she didn't always talk like that i think that condition has gotten worse significantly over the last year i think there may be alcoholism mm. involved i think there may be drugs involved <laughs> i think there may be uh, just a deterioration of the mind in general harbor <laughs> that much hate and division inside you and and you're so so dishonest and you lie so much how could you, your your physical condition not deteriorate along with the soul
0: yeah it's, that, it's, that's
1: it's, probably it's, my theory for Nancy Pelosi, and you see Hillary condition, uh, Hillary Clinton's condition, Joe Biden's condition. All of these people uh, are just declining rapidly in health, and then we've got President Trump, who just seems like he's got the energy of a teenage boy.
0: Yeah, it's it's fascinating to watch. I think the spirit in people, uh, or the lack of spirit, shows pretty clearly. So, so the last thing you know on on your election that I want to know and I want to share with you, sort of some of the parallels when when you were running. I think you said uh, California yesterday to me hasn't it, it's this not like the Democrats run and then the Republicans run it's everyone just runs all together in a primary right and then yes. and then I think it'd be really interesting for the for, I thought it was pretty wild when you said that the there were four people who were running you um, a Pelosi another GOP sort of Rhino um, mm-hmm. who was trying to fake as though he was a Trump, Trumper we have a lot of fake Trumpers. And then there was a, another a far sort of, um, you know, DSA type person running. And then if you can just share with us that process and what happened, even though I know it, it seemed like you were getting retweets from the president.
1: Yeah, well, if, let's just put it this way. If there was a, a national vote, I would have won easily. Mm-hmm. If, there was a, uh, if there was a popular vote for sure, I would have won because the national support that I had was tremendous, still is. I've got my followers that are just saying, you know, run again, run again. What's your next move? Um, because I've got, I, I gained such a huge following in a short amount of time and so much enthusiasm for what I stood for, which was American traditional values, God, family, country, restoring the American exceptionalism, you know, restoring our district of San Francisco to be clean, uh, to be safe, um, affordable, and, uh, and to really um, – kick out the corruption uh, on every level. And people resonate with that message. And people resonate with the fact that I didn't back down. Um, I didn't try to be a, a, a Republican light or be just a soft version like so many people do. They, they like that I was uh, strong on my values, just like President Trump. And through all that time that I ran, you know, I, I actually thought that the most the most aggression that I would get and uh, the most uh, flack I would get would be from the left. But it turned out that I got uh, most of the flack and the most of the people that I was fighting were from the rhinos on the right, the rhino establishment Mm. Republicans on the right Um, from the, the California GOP, which is has grown to be quite a crooked uh, organization and the San Francisco GOP, who is run by the head of the individual, one of the individuals I was running against also.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, This person, uh, I believe, I mean, he checks off all the boxes for a rhino, is not a a strong patriot or Trump supporter. And that guy is who I was spending so much of my time fighting with, unfortunately, throughout the campaign because he spent his whole campaign attacking me, dismissing me, smearing me, running um, massive smear campaigns on me, Trying to dig up dirt uh, and videos and pictures of me when I was, you know, ten years ago or fifteen years ago, and then try to spread it around and create rumors around it. Um, He was uh, he was hiring uh, basically like a National Enquirer esque uh, article blogger to write a series of hit pieces on me, and the hit pieces just kept coming and coming and coming all throughout my campaign. So it was kind of horrifying to look in the morning and see another article about me that was ridiculous or something that I did, you know, 15 years ago when I was a teenager. It's, it's, you know, the things he was doing was so ridiculous, but, um, but it, it's, it had me expend a lot of energy fighting him and I should have been spending all of that energy fighting, uh, the left. But what i made me realize is that there truly is a swamp and it is on, it's not necessarily right or left. It's, it's these, Phony Rhino Republicans and the Left, but they're all in it together. And the, the they choose their club. The California GOP chose their favorite, which was this person, John, um, who, by the way, has ran already four times. He's been running against Nancy Pelosi since two thousand uh, ten, and just keeps raising a bunch of money, losing each time, and not uh, having any strong message or any strong following or campaign, and he's kind of the typical, I'm sorry to say, but typical uh, old white male uh, establishment, Republican, arrogant, that kind of stereotype. And so when I came in the game, I'm, I'm young, I'm a woman, I'm a fighter, I'm very strong and I'm very pro uh, Trump and a patriot. He was threatened by it. So him hmm. and, and members of the California GOP wanted to make sure that I got out of the race and they did that uh, however possible. Now, now, ch- now,
0: now, Deanna, uh, one of the things you said was, and this is a phenomenon I've seen, is that in Massachusetts, and I'm sure it's there, the entire quote-unquote Trump movement has been, been hijacked, meaning the, by, the, by the rhinos. So they essentially uh, talk the words, you know, wear MAGA hats, talk one way. Uh, did, you, did that take place too? Because you were telling me that they were literally stealing... Your authentic talking Uh, points and just, you know, uh, acting as though they were supporters of the same sort of disruptive, um, uh, you know, politics that Trump really wanted to see disrupt both, essentially go after the swamp.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So the guy that I was running against, John, he in all of his years of running, he never has mentioned Trump. He's never mentioned anything um, that, you know, he's never been vocal about conservative values, patriotism. Um, he's never mentioned faith before he has has called himself more of an independent and in previous articles in the past he's even said that he doesn't like to call himself a republican because that would cost him votes in san francisco and uh and he, he likes to kind of play to both sides so we get all that then halfway through my race he starts realizing that oh it's it's a cool thing to be pro-trump and uh, my, my, uh, my message works. And I wasn't crafting any kind of message. It was just me. It was authentic to me. These are my beliefs. And I stood by them. I didn't care if people in San Francisco thought they were too secular to, uh, have God, family and country in my campaign slogan. I didn't care if there weren't enough. Uh, there were too many lefties in San Francisco to be openly pro-Trump because I just wanted to stick to my guns. If I got few votes, for sticking to my guns, then I'll know really where Stanford San Francisco stands right now. But he uh, saw that approach and started copying it halfway through the campaign, and then he started using words like patriot, and he started talking about Trump, uh, calling himself a Trump supporter, Mm -hmm. and he never used to do that. And the head of the California GOP, Jessica, uh, she's the chairwoman of it, she's even said, and you could look it up in multiple articles, she said that she tries to steer the, her endorsed Republican California candidates away from uh, openly promoting their support for President Trump and openly supporting uh, conservative values because she's worried that that scares liberal Californians away. Yeah, it's, uh, interesting. it's interesting.
0: So if you just sort of look at what you just shared, and um, California and Massachusetts are supposed to be essentially two blue states, right? Yeah. Um, the parallels are quite stunning because... Uh, if I can share with you, you know, in 2008 17, you know, I never voted in my life because I never cared for electoral politics. I was a more ground activist for many years since I was a kid. Um, but yeah. when Trump ran, I decided to uh, register. In Massachusetts, 60% of people registered as independents. The Republican Party is really not a Republican Party, as I could see. In fact, they were against Trump. So I registered as a independent, voted for him, and then I got invited to the inauguration went and after i heard trump's speech i registered as a republican and i think literally the next day i decided to run for senate and when we uh, ran here you know our campaign was totally to eviscerate elizabeth warren and to expose the gop establishment here in massachusetts probably not dissimilar to what you went through the quote-unquote republicans actually hated trump the governor of massachusetts who's a republican on the date of Trump's election, there's a front page article in the Boston Globe that says, I don't think I'll vote for Trump. This is a Republican. His mentor, a guy called Bill Well, just ran against Trump.
1: Okay.
0: And um, and uh, so you have this, so, and these guys essentially control the Massachusetts GOP. So when I came in, they should have frankly embraced me, right? You know, I represent everything that represents the American values. And here's a guy who's in, in some ways is a person of color who's running as a republican what better opportunity for the republican party to say wow this is cool right we can expand our open up our tent bring more people in and this guy's yeah this guy's the epitome of the american dream who grew up as a working class kid in new jersey came from nothing four degrees at mit you know seven companies but instead uh they were so afraid of an outsider coming in and i think that's what it is these guys are essentially in collusion They're one. There's no really Democrat or or Republican, particularly in states like uh, um, California and Massachusetts. So they run a guy against me who's a complete idiot, was a failed sign salesman who photoshopped a picture with the president. There's three hands in the picture. okay? good catch. Yeah. So we sent it out to a forensics guy, but the swamp. Um, Continue to support this guy. So I decided I'd run back as an independent because there's no way they were going to let me on the ballot. And we ended up getting 100,000 votes, five times more than any U.S. Senate independent candidate in Massachusetts history. And, wow. our, and we went hard at Warren, just like uh, uh, the president was, which is focusing on her lack of integrity. It wasn't really about race. And we had signs all over Massachusetts uh, only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. We had thousands of these signs. You couldn't get away. I mean, massive signs. You know, I sent her a DNA test kit. She returned it. That went, when she returned it, I tweeted that went viral. You know, I was on Fox and Varney and all and Jesse Waters, but it was a total bottoms up campaign. And the collusion was quite fascinating because legally I should have been on the debate stage. Elizabeth Warren, the Democrats and the Massachusetts GOB colluded to keep me off the debate stage. so we had to file you know a federal lawsuit. Um, both of them tried to t- tell me that I, I, sh- I had to take the sign off my bus which said only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian we sued and we won that So wh- what you but the bottom line is in Massachusetts and I think in California I think the key thing is this the, the there's only one party, and so it observes from what you're telling me, they don't really want to win, perhaps suck up people's money, and then the insidious thing they do is act as though that they're Trumpers. The head of the Massachusetts GOP, a guy called Jim Lyons, did, you know, when one of the volunteers when Trump ran, said, hey, may I put a sign, Trump sign on your lawn? He goes, get that effing sign off my lawn, okay? Now he's the head of the Mass GOP and he claims he's a Trumper and is using that to raise money. For the GOP. So that's what they essentially use the the Trump brand to raise money. So that's yes. I think that's a commonality of I think what we both experience. There's this very deep swamp where, where it's one party. They do not want outsiders. Um, no. And they use Trump's name. This is what the most insidious thing to try to uh, misdirect uh, everyday working people as though they're the Trump. I don't know if that phenomenon occurred but that's yeah
1: absolutely yeah it's it's you know all of a sudden i see pamphlets of his going out saying that he's pro-trump and trying to use the language um that kind of stirs up his base and what's crazy is that you know the california gop one of the one of the uh, candidates they endorsed this year is a man running against maxine waters and he actually ran for president last year on the green ticket against president trump wow or 2016. Yeah. He he tried to run against President Trump. And then this year for the first time, he just a registered Republican. And then boom, started running for Congress against Maxine. I mean, the the people that they endorse um, are very questionable, to say the least. And they're not winners. You know, again, no offense against the rhino that I was running against, but he, uh, he's not someone that could really take on Nancy Pelosi. No strong message, no strong voice, couldn't really drum up a following. And, um, you know, someone running up against someone big like that, especially a big political Goliath, you've got to be someone that gains enthusiasm, that gains support, that gains a following, that has a strong message that inspires people. And yet um, a lot of the grassroots candidates, and I was seeing others, I talked talked to others in California too this year. They were continuously just getting ousted by the California GOP. They were shunned. It was Yeah, it was so, the- so
0: I, I think that's the same phenomenon in Massachusetts. It's almost like I think you have 17 percent increase in homelessness. Massachusetts beat you guys by 1.18 percent. If you look yeah. at if you look at I don't know what the infrastructure there is. Massachusetts got an F minus minus in infrastructure. This is a place where MIT exists which means 100 by the American Society of Civil Engineers. I don't think probably California is that far behind. Uh, Massachusetts got a D plus which mean, in public integrity, which means one of the worst in corruption, top 10. I'm sure California isn't that far behind. So I think for anyone sort of listening to this conversation, you see two people who are outsiders who supported the president, but essentially are fighting against not just Democrats, but against the GOP establishment. And that phenomenon needs to be really appreciated. Yeah. And I think what people need to start understanding is that the there are people in sheep's clothing who talk yeah. a game about, you know, standing for America, making it great. But essentially, they have essentially, they're essentially part of the deep state establishment of both the GOP and the um, Democrats. I think... So, so in my view, Deanna, it's not about Democrats and Republicans anymore. It's about people who believe that the state should be governing uh, what you and I think and telling us everything to do. And this is probably a good transition to go to talk about the coronavirus um, and Fauci and Pelosi's that picture that I put up, but that's what I see. It's that division of people who believe the state knows better. Elizabeth Warren, believing she knows better, probably Nancy Pelosi. Ed Markey's a guy who's a current senator will be running against. Just like Nancy, he's been in there for 50 years. Joe Kennedy, well, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, what, who ended up ultimately winning? And we, I, I just didn't follow up on that. But the, um, California has done everything possible to make, it, make the incumbents, especially the incumbent Democrats, locked in there. All right. So first, they did the create of the jungle primary. Now, the jungle primary was established a few years ago, and that is what I was telling you about earlier. Yeah, explain that. that. They, yeah. Yeah. It's the jungle primary is they choose the top two vote getters of any party in the primary to go on along to the general election. So instead of having the top vote getter of a Republican, the top vote uh, getter of the Democrat, it's just the top two vote getters. And so obviously, the incumbent is going to be one of them, right? So Nancy Pelosi is a in and then the rest is going to be – it's up to an, whoever many, however many Republicans are running and however many Democrats are running. So if you're in a pretty tough blue district like I'm in, um, the chances of a Republican winning is, is just so much lower with that established. Uh, there were four Democrats uh, or three other Democrats running in my race and then this one other Republican. And before I tell you who won, I'll just tell you a few other things. They also moved the primary up from – uh, from June, when it normally is, to May, uh, to March. And that was another thing that a lot of people didn't even realize the primary was coming up because they're not used to it. Um, so it gives a newcomer, an outsider, a fresh candidate, far less of a runway to make a difference, make an mm. impact in, and really connect with voters, which, again, gives a leg up to the incumbent, right? So who won my race was a radical socialist, Shahid mm. Batar. So uh, you know, not only did did San Francisco decide that they wanted the status quo, they wanted the feces on the ground, the needles, the high pricing. They wanted more of it. They wanted socialism, full-blown socialism. So now it's between Nancy Pelosi and radical socialist Shahid Batar that are moving up to the general election in November. There's not even a Republican voice on the ticket now. And, And I just feel like that's criminal to not even have a counter voice a counter-Republican voice on the ticket moving forward. There's no choice now for anyone who's a Republican or is a moderate in San Francisco. God forbid something does happen to Nancy Pelosi, because guess who's taken her place? It's the radical socialist Shahid Battar, who his biggest complaint is that Nancy Pelosi is not far left and socialist enough. And we're seeing that in, in many races across America, where socialists are very uh, well-funded, well-organized. They're creating lots of little mini AOCs popping up everywhere, and it's a dangerous thing. We've got to step up. More of the reason why we patriots, we have to rise up. We have to step up. Um, You know, I didn't come from a political background, okay? I I didn't come from a political pedigree. I didn't go to uh, an Ivy League school. I never in a million years actually thought I would be running for Congress, but— you know, I made a decision to do it and throw myself in the fire because I care so damn much about this country. And I'm not going to let it go down in flames or let it be swallowed by socialism without a fight. I'm just not. And I'm a fast learner. I will support the president as long as he's on the right track with the American first agenda that we voted for. Um, I believe in restoring faith, family and patriotism in our country. And I will do the right thing. I think we need more people who are not necessarily from a political pedigree. And, and this is another reason, I'll just say real quick, I'm writing a book called uh, The 26 Things I Learned Fighting Nancy Pelosi and the Swamp, mm. because a lot of people, a lot of ordinary Americans are, are discouraged. And they think, well, who am I to run against someone like Nancy Pelosi or uh, you know Elizabeth Warren or, or anyone? Who am I to run for Congress? I wasn't born and bred into a political background. I don't have any training, but this is the time You know, that ordinary Americans should step up and do bold, extraordinary things because we've got to save our republic. We've got to save America. President Trump didn't have a political background either. Neither did AOC, but she really dropped the bar, Lou. But this is the time. If now, if not now, you know, when? When are we going to step up as patriots? This is the time. So don't be discouraged. You can learn. If you're smart, you can learn. And, uh, you know, you can fight for America, that's what we need to do. So I'm so happy by the way that you're running because you are a true patriot.
0: Yeah, well, one of the, one of the things Deanna is that I think part of the word patriot to me goes with another, pe- with people actually produce things. People actually make things, um, new people new. who, yeah, I mean the, the founders of this country, you look at Washington, he was a surveyor, he was a farmer, he actually knew mathematics, he knew physics um jefferson was an architect uh uh, same with franklin uh, blacksmiths many of these people actually knew how to create things they were into creating the future and that's why i think the constitution was so profoundly um uh, authentic because they were in the trenches in the nuts and bolts of creating things they weren't lawyer lobbyists you know and if there were the lawyers there uh, they were actually actually uh, interested in defining a future. They weren't people who were basically the nobility, and in this yeah. country in 1776, when the revolution ended, um, what happened was the those who lost didn't get up and leave. They embedded themselves in places like Massachusetts, right? The blue bloods, and what and they and and they made their title be the esquire, the lawyer lobbyists. So what we have in this country today is they've actually resurrected themselves. and it doesn't mean a revolution just occurs once and it's over. Sometimes you have to have another revolution. And sixty percent, 70% of Congress is lawyer lobbyists. They infest um, you know uh, DC. but many of them come out of the elite places. I believe Massachusetts is a deep state. You and I have spoken about this. It's where you know, the one mile radius between Harvard and MIT, you will see Facebook, Google, Amazon, You know, all the major pharma companies, Microsoft, MIT, Harvard, which are basically two big hedge funds uh, running as a university. Both of them got funded by Jeffrey Epstein. Right. Both presidents continued to take money, Harvard and MIT's after uh, he was convicted. So in many ways, this is the center of it. And I think uh, as we discuss my winning here, I think will be a a massive, massive shockwave. Uh, uh, equal or, or more than probably the Trump election, because Massachusetts is ultimately where all the elites come from—the global elites. Probably, I'm, I'm not even talking about uh, people within this country, but global elites who go join the UN and every major country. And, You're right. Yeah, and you, uh, my theory is you could probably t- uh, trace any economic crash back to some professor at Harvard. We just saw a professor at Harvard get thrown in jail and arrested for triple quadruple dipping right he was i mean these academics take money from our grant dollars they then they get grant funding then this guy this professor this chemistry professor at harvard was also taking money from china and and ensuring chinese uh a, u.s assets in multiple ways being deployed back to china stuff that we paid you know our, our our dollars for but this is an occurrence that takes place in all of academia i would argue two-thirds of academics should probably be indicted and that, yes. and that class, you know, they throw Wall Street guys in jail. But I think the arrest that took place of this Harvard professor was quite extraordinary. I don't think it would have occurred under any other president. And it occurred under this president because he does not come from that elite group. And yes. neither do you, you or I. You know, I came from working class backgrounds, earned all my degrees at MIT, started seven companies. And that's why I, I think as we discussed um, you know, the the, the Senate election in Massachusetts is not a U.S. Senate election in Massachusetts. It's actually like you saw a national election. We're having yeah. people from all over the country support this.
1: Yeah, this is... We can think of your election as like uh, the deep state election. You know, the deep state versus patriotism. Um, another President Trump election, really, because that's who you're fighting. And it matters. If we continue to elect the same and endorse these same establishment deep state actors into office nothing's ever going to change and also it just it disintegrates hope from ordinary americans who might want to run for office but they just see the same people get elected over and over again and it's discouraging because they think well it's it's just rigged the system is rigged how can i break how can i break through the matrix so president trump in a sense broke through that matrix You know, nobody thought he would win. The odds were against him and he won. I think you could do the same. I think you have all the goods. I think you have all the material to win.
0: Yeah, the reason I'm putting this up is this was a tweet that went massively viral. I think it went up to nearly 2 million people, the impressions on it.
1: I retweeted it too because it was amazing. Yeah,
0: and I think the essence of this tweet was speaking to the point you were saying. It's a potent tweet because it talks about the fact, hey, I have a PhD in biological engineering. So in one case... You know, I've rebelled against them, right? But it really points out the fact um, that it's the, it's the, it's the uh, you know, uh, the fact that I'm accomplished, I do research in this field, I'm not a lawyer lobbyist, but someone with my perspective is basically calling out that the deep state will go to, that, that this issue with the coronavirus will go down as a deep state, uh, uh, I'm trying to read it backward, as one of the biggest frauds yes. to manipulate economies, suppress dissent, and push mandated medicine and that's pretty much where we're at so maybe we can spend a couple minutes talking about that tweet i think was a turning point in the sense all of these people who are watching this coronavirus what i call nonsense in many ways of fear-mongering were looking for a voice to say that and the problem is that the academics in this country will not say anything because they are basically the oldest profession right now next to the hollywood people okay um, and that strata is owned by Anthony Fauci. You know, he has spent 40 years. Um, essentially, he controls the lives of most academics because they're very small circles. And they, by the way, they work very closely with Hollywood. Okay? If you look at a guy like Fauci, you know, uh, we just found this tweet which goes to your, uh, your enemy over there. You know, uh, is Nancy Pelosi. And there's a very interesting picture. It's a, quite a telling picture. Uh, Fauci, yeah, on the right, Nancy Pelosi, and Elton John. Now, why is this important? I wanted to talk about it and get some of your perspective on it, is that you've shared with us on Pelosi, who came from basically made millions of dollars, never did really anything before that. You see Elton John, who represents really the gay community in many ways. You know, he's he's a musician. And then you see Fauci. Now, what happened was when Fauci's entire career which many people may not know, was built on the fake science that HIV causes AIDS. And pretty much most people think HIV causes AIDS, okay? Um, And based on that false science, that false causality, um, Fauci built his eminence. You know, he made links with U2 and the AIDS community and essentially projected himself as this guy who's fighting for rights for the disenfranchised, right? But the reality is from a scientific standpoint, uh, there is no causality between HIV and AIDS. HIV is a virus, you know, 30, 40% of Africans have HIV. They're not dying, okay? 67% of Zambia has it. They're not dying. But his predecessor, a guy called Robert Gallo, um, who was brought up on scientific misconduct charges, he couldn't even, um, and he was trying to create the AIDS test. He couldn't even find enough HIV viruses he had to steal it from a french researcher who did win the nobel prize he didn't he was kept out of it and then he created a bogus hiv test and then he was relieved out of his misconduct because fauci stepped in and the story goes from a lot of the scientists i've spoken to fauci basically said look i'm going to become the top guy gallo you go on the back and that's how fauci built his career on this entire hiv is this boogeyman virus that creates AIDS. when AIDS is basically Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, it's suppression of the immune system, and it occurs from drugs and drugs and drugs, <laughs> okay? At the time in the, in the 70s and 80s, when gays were highly promiscuous, and this is not politically incorrect, many people agree with this, a, a person would have 1500 partners, massive amounts of drugs, their immune systems were shot. Right. And and the first eighty-seven-eight cases, Peter Duisburg, when he analyzed them, ninety percent of them were people doing amyl nitrites, which are called poppers, which prolong prolong orga, orgasms, and people do massive hits of them, and they are known carcinogens. So none of this was brought out until Peter Duisburg brought it out, and he was vilified, and Fauci played a role in in attacking Duisburg, who's an eminent scientist at Berkeley, the youngest guy who got his tenure. The youngest i think one of the youngest members of the national academy of sciences so what fauci if you look at his entire history from reagan i think to the bushes bush one bush two obama and now trump built his entire career on a boogeyman uh, fake model of the immune system and that is what is occurring right now and he's a perfect 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 uh part of the chess game of people like nancy pelosi who want to who've been waiting as part of the deep state to impose cashless society right to eliminate voter ids or get rid of it completely and in the current bill i don't know if you went through it all of these are embedded in there
1: there's so much uh there's so much to say that was such a mouthful um first of all i just want to say you are the perfect person right now for this time this is like this is like this story that's happening right now this crisis is actually made for you and it's you know, very
0: interesting that, isn't it it's yeah, almost it's almost uh, like there's a god yeah, who created it. it for all of us so someone like me who came from nothing mm-hmm. could speak to it and it's 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 very powerful for me at a deep level because you know i grew up in india where my grandparents had nothing my grandmother was a traditional healer using food as medicine i grew up in new jersey uh, doing research as a full-time research fellow in medicine because of my love of medicine and uh, where I created the first email system before I came to MIT. But the key is I've studied medicine all my life. Medicine is a system. And I've yeah. been always about food as medicine, right? Food as medicine. And what we've created now is dirty air, dirty water, dirty food, brought to you by the GOP establishment and the Democratic establishment by the deep state. The goal is to destroy the health of Americans inject them with vaccines, make them reliant on pharmaceutical drugs, not on what the traditional values were. You know, people, you know, worked hard. We worked in the sun. We, we grew our own food, right? We we were farmers. We learned how to work the earth. And that's where real fundamental values come from. You talk to people in the Midwest, you talk to people in the middle of Massachusetts, right? The fundamental values do come from people who work with their hands and their mind making things. And yeah. what we've done is outsource um, healing to the pharmaceutical industry outsource healing to vaccines and that's what fauci represents and people like nancy pelosi want to have top-down medicine right it's not bottoms up it's, it's totally such a
1: fraud. yeah it's such a fraud it's really slavery it's it's health slavery they're creating sickness in us and then they're banking off of that sickness you know yeah. with the vaccines and uh their health care and their pharmaceutical drugs they're they're literally making money off the sickness that they created in us. You can't get get more, um, you know, it's almost like they're, they're raping us, you know. Yeah.
0: If, well, and what's interesting is in California, what the contradiction and the hypocrisy is, most of these people who are, quote unquote, the liberal aristocrats, they make sure they get organic food. They make I sure know. they eat non-genetic. Right. They make sure they go to their yoga classes. They make sure, and it's basically not real health. Most of them are the 0.1%. You know, it's basically good food for them and to hell with the rest of us. And, right. and that's what's fascinating to observe for me. With this quarantine, you know, Jen, you know, one of our uh, mothers who sort of woke up and wanted to get more political, she realized even in this vaccine movement, there, you could see this very interesting, the narcissist um, yoga folks who are basically saying, oh, yeah, let's stay home. Let's be quarantined. And then the real fighters in the anti-vaccine you know, or the, the medical freedom movement. It's fascinating to watch. So yeah. and e- even here in Western Massachusetts here, you'll see these very sort of new agey people who talk a good game. But ultimately, they vote for the Democratic establishment for people like Elizabeth Warren who voted for the Monsanto Protection Act. Um, you know, who voted for big ag. So it's basically what they're saying is I will I get to eat good food, you know, but to hell with working people in this country for you. We're going to give you crap. We're going to vaccinate you. We're going to, you know, basically, you know, make you slaves to a medical establishment.
1: Right. And all while they're in their pearly gated. uh, Exactly. Exactly. And and then, of course, they're gated walls that have armed security and then they push for greater gun control on us which is just all the more ironic. But no, I mean, your, your voice, I, I came across um, a couple of weeks ago, just looking, you know, everyone's trying to just make sense of this whole thing. All of a sudden it just goes from a flu to, you know, to a big virus and all of a sudden it's a pandemic and there's all these precautions involved. Um, and I see one of your tweets um, just calling it out, which is exactly what what my hunch was, that this is a hoax, there's something wrong here. They're not telling us the truth, they're lying to us. Um, why why are we treating this like a pandemic when it's really like the common flu? Um, well, well I,
0: I, I think one of the most important things, Deanna, what's happened is the this issue. I would say you know they couldn't get Trump on the Russian collusion, they couldn't yeah. get him on impeachment. So what they're doing is they've created. I mean, I think the president used the word invisible enemy, they're and enemies. it's yeah. it's so every every. Uh, uh, There's been a recurrent process in human history where people create a boogeyman, right? And once they have people gripped in fear with that boogeyman, that is when fascism takes place. And that's what we're seeing right now, because the boogeyman here is that viruses will kill you and destroy you. When we have 380 trillion viruses in our body, we emerge out of learning how to negotiate with viruses and microbes. That's why there's 7.2 billion of us. Um, Yes.
1: and when people are looking to make sense of this, and they come across your videos or your tweets, it's really a breath of fresh air, and it's, it rings true for a lot of people. I know myself included. That's why you have to be—you uh, have to be in the spotlight. You have to—and I know you're—you're you're bold, but just keep on going because I'm surprised that people aren't threatening you. Um, I'm sure that people are threatening you. Well, I'm this sure. is
0: this is what I believe, and I believe there's a—you know—I grew up in a very religious and spiritual upbringing with my grandparents who had nothing. So I believe ultimately, uh, you have to ask yourself, what is the purpose of life? Do you want to live as slaves or free people? And, the, yeah. and, the, and I grew up in a caste system in India where we were considered untouchables or deplorables. Uh, the fact that my parents even made it here to America was quite extraordinary. It speaks a lot to their own you know, grit. Um, Dude, the a worker. Yeah, the, 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 so the issue is, I think what we're faced with right now is, is it going to be parasites versus the producers? That's what this is about, people actually make things versus people who exploit people. And and what we see is a a set of people, a very small handful of people from Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Hillary Clinton, uh, who else? Fauci is their front man. These people are in it to push forward. Uh, When you get time or people get time, I talked about some video called the Sustainable Development Goals. One of our great moms, Alyssa, who's a researcher, essentially discovered that in 2015 the United States the United Nations met and they agreed on 17 sustainable development goals and if you read them it sounds like they want to create some weird dystopic utopia right Uh, no income inequality eliminate the notion of sexuality you know uh, you go down the list right stop carbon co2 when co2 is not a pollutant and in order to achieve that utopia their goal the way you get to that utopia, this is fascinating. Is you must immunize everyone, vaccinate the hell out of the entire world, and so this is brought to you by pharma. So they've created a utopian, you know, PR machine. That this is what utopia is. But the way we're going to get there is to vaccinate everyone, Matt, and and that and the reason they're doing that is because pharmaceutical companies are not making money from drugs anymore. They're very very costly to make. They create massive side effects, so their only solution out of this is the following, which is actually to promote vaccines because there's no liability for vaccines. After Ted Kennedy and Waxman in 1986 created the Vaccine Court, so you can't sue vaccine manufacturers, and the limitation, and you know, there's limited liability for death. So we're sitting at at now is is a very dangerous and a very not so, which means an opportunity time if if. Knowledge can come out, and the light of knowledge can come out. We can flip this. Otherwise, yeah. next year at this time, we're going to see what Denmark just passed—a law that they can come into your home with police and vaccinate you. That's that's what they're talking about.
1: That's um, yeah. Why are you? You are. Um, I hope that you know. You you say every single day that you're not suicidal or homicidal. Um, you know, there, it's, it's a scary thing, but there's just, there's a long list, too long, of, of doctors that have had sudden heart attacks, right, um, naturalistic doctors, uh, doctors who have uh, talked about, you know, natural cures um, for ailments and illnesses, and, you know, suddenly they're on a long list of, you know, sudden deaths. So I just, you know, I just say that not to be a conspiracy theorist, but it's, it's you know, we can just research and, and connect the, the dots a little bit. But why do you think more doctors that have the knowledge that you have that study the immune system every day, why aren't they speaking out about this? Yeah,
0: it's a good question. Look, so first of all, you know, I have four degrees in engineering. Okay, In 2003, MIT created the Department of Biological Engineering. So I'm a Ph.D. who looks and and the new field, the future of medicine is to look at the body as an engineering system, not as a collection of parts. The medical doctor, the M.D. training is not the training of, of how a plumber sees the world, you know, how an electrician sees the world, or for that matter, a surgeon sees the world. You know, we see interconnections of parts because we have to fix things. The MD sees it, if this, do this, if this, do this, right? If this, give this drug, if this. That's the medical, four-year medical training with some residency. Um, it's unfortunate. They don't learn anything about nutrition. They don't learn anything about the body as a, the ankle bones connected to the foot bone. So they don't, frankly, understand the immune system. This is a test you can do. Go ask any one of your friends, if they're a doctor, hey, explain to me how a virus works, okay? And explain to me how a vaccine works. And they will typically tell you, if they're listening to this, they'll probably learn the truth, and they'll regurgitate the right thing, hopefully. But they see that a virus is this like animal with you know big you know claws or like an alligator, and it actually goes, eats your tissue, you know? In your body and then a vaccine blocks it when the reality is that our immune systems when they're healthy um, no we're dealing with viruses you know every moment of our existence we process them you know we create the proper defenses the people who are getting affected in any one of these the 22,000 people or 18 who died of the flu are people who are immunocompromised which means their immune systems are not firing on all cylinders some of the cylinders don't work and the remaining cylinders overreact. Mm-hmm. And when they overreact, they're not just going after the virus, they're actually going after their own body's tissues. So in the case of Ebola, the, bo- the body, their own defense mechanisms go attack the arterial endothelial and they start bleeding from inside. Or in the case of corona, which is, by the way, a class of flu viruses, they attack the respiratory epithelial cells in the lungs. So what you see, so, but this, what I just shared with you, um, is not shared by mainstream media because most of mainstream media just listens to other people cut and paste. But the immune system is quite resilient. It was designed for resilience. And, you know, the letter I just sent to the president lays out a very four, a, a three-point plan, how we take care of the immunocompromised, which is not only for this thing long term, how we put back people to work by using three simple things, vitamin A, vitamin D, and vitamin C, and a little bit of iodine. Vitamin D is what we get from the sun. Vitamin uh, A is what we get from the rich, dark, leafy fruits and vegetables, which is what we should be eating, right? And right. iodine and iodine, which should come from the soil, but we destroyed that. And then vitamin C. If you look at what I just said, it's basically get out in the sun, you know, eat fruits and vegetables. This is why uh, I think in Chad and Djibouti, the two countries in Africa, out of all of this, only one infection of COVID, you know, COVID, and no deaths because they're out in the sun. They're digging up their roots. It really starts making you wonder, what does it mean to be a quote unquote, first world country and a third world country if people are the highest obesity rates, the United States now has the highest, the lowest longevity and the highest infant mortality in the Western world. This is what a guy like Fauci has delivered in 40 years.
1: Exactly, And, um, and when the media continues to say, the Democrats continue to say, trust the doctors, trust the experts, Uh, That's when my antenna goes up. Yeah.